Hey everyone, welcome back to You Ask For It, a podcast um, from some pastors who just want to help you uh, just answer the questions that you have about life and uh, the world and Christianity and how to how to live in this world. The question that we have today is um, one that was sent in about an alarming problem that we are facing in our day. Um, and we knew this was a big issue, so we didn't want to just do this on our own. So we brought in some guests. Um, the first guest we have is Miss um, Karen Scoggins, who is Pastor Steve Scoggins' wife. So she's going to kind of share some of her story. And then Miss Michelle Eigenman, who is a counselor, a Christian counselor at Summit Wellness Centers, who's going to join us to give us some of her thoughts. Because the question that was sent in is, what, are we, what do we do or how do we respond um, with the alarming rise of suicide rate amongst teens right now? And it is an alarming rise. Let me give you some statistics um, it, in 2020, California's suicide rate um, went up 124% over the previous year. And you can see in the last couple of years, this has really been tied to the shutdown and, and being isolated. Um, the, the rate of attempted suicides especially went up with girls, and it went up 50.6% over the past year. And then the number of psychiatric-related hospital visits among young people increased 31% in the past year. So it is obvious that this is an alarming rise and it's something that we really need to think about. Um, so thank you all for joining us for this conversation. I know, Pastor Steve, um, you got something that you would like yeah, to add. Know, I, we are going to be talking about teens who are feeling that point of hopelessness. But it's not just teens. We adults go through low times. Even mm-hmm. Christians go through low times. I appreciate Paul's transparency in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is what he shares from his heart. We don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction that took place in Asia. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life itself. Mm. When I remember in the Old Testament, Elijah prayed to die. Mm. Now, the, the American Psychiatric Association, in response to this increase in January of 2022, uh, had an article that talked about some of the root causes as to why young people are attempting suicide. And they mentioned that that feeling of hopelessness and helplessness. A lot of times it comes because they're trying to escape feelings of pain, rejection, or hurt. Uh, Sometimes teens do that because they're afraid of disappointing others or feel like they're a burden to others, such as their parents. But we also have some things that are pretty unique in our day and time. Bullying and cyberbullying, a detrimental home life, or even the breakup of two teens who were dating with each other has has caused people to come to that point. Um, Rather than just talk about things that we can learn in articles and online, I think I wanted to make this issue more personal by letting you hear from the person who's most dear to me in this world. That's my sweet wife, Karen. Um, She's impacting so many people's lives. She ministers to singles. She ministers to ladies. Uh, But the greatest impact she has is on our five children and our soon-to-be 14th grandchild. But you almost missed out on that because there was a point in time when you were 14 where you attempted suicide. Could you share that with us? Thank you for having me. I grew up in a loving home and just had wonderful parents. And um, my parents took us to church, and I do believe they— allowed us to date too early. I was 14 when I started dating. Um, I, I was a good kid, so I think they just trusted that I would make wise judgments and those kind of things. But one night I went on a double date 
And when I got in the car, um, they had six packs of beer and I had never drunk before. And, and I very much was a people pleaser and a follower personality. But anyway, so I partook of all that and um, I got so sick, uh, I threw up on all over my clothes. And so we went back to my friend's house and her parents were at home that night and um, she helped, had to help me change clothes. That's how weak and sick I was. But our date stayed, and then her date left, and she went upstairs to go to bed, and um, my date kept trying to have a conversation with me. But then at some point, um, at one point, he pulled me on the floor and proceeded to rape me. And, and even though I told him no, and I kept trying to push him off of me, um, he proceeded to do that. And so... Um, I went upstairs later and I told my friend what happened and she said those things just happen. But in my heart and in my mind, um, I was thinking, no, those things don't happen. They're not supposed to happen, especially to me. They're just not supposed to happen. And so um, I didn't tell my parents that they were going through issues with my older sister and uh, she was making unwise decisions. And so they were carrying a lot of pain from those choices and trying to wade through all that uh, trauma and drama. And, and I thought I cannot add one more thing to mm -hmm. the load they're bearing. Um, my father traveled, so he would leave on Monday and come back on Friday. So my mom really was carrying the weight of the family, taking care of four kids. And I would see her crying sometimes at night. And, and I just thought, you know, she cannot carry this. This is too much. So I bottled that up and just tried to stuff that down, the pain of that. And um, the guilt and the shame, uh, the loss of my virginity, all those things just uh, magnified. Um, this was back in the 70s. And at that time, unlike the morals of today, it was only the bad girls who lost their virginity. And so all of a sudden I felt a label that I was a bad girl and I was wearing the scarlet letter uh, that I would have to wear the rest of my life. And, and I just could not bear that. And so one day I went into uh, my sister's room and I knew she had some a bunch of pills and I took a bunch of pills and lay down on a bed and started getting sleepy. And I thought, you know, I knew there was a heaven and a hell, but I, I wasn't sure where I was going to go. And I laid there and I thought, well, I don't want to die not knowing where I'm going to heaven or hell. And I called out for my mom, who was downstairs. We were, had a two-story house, and I'm so thankful she heard me because she came upstairs, and I told her what happened, and um, I went to the hospital, and I had my stomach pumped. And I'm so glad God was merciful. Yes, ma'am, Because you have had, had such a good life since. Yes. But the, the turnaround was a turnaround that happened spiritually mm -hmm. not too long after that. Tell yes. us about that. God, in His mercy and His grace, His favor, um, I was invited to a retreat, and a famous missionary named Miss Bertha Smith, she um, shared the gospel that night, and she told us about how he could have a purpose for our life, and a, he had a plan for us, and it was for good, and he he offered that to us through his son, Jesus Christ, through the blood of Christ, and so that night I prayed, and I asked Jesus in my heart, and I asked him to change me and and to give me that kind of life, a life that was new and and a verse that just rocked me to my core was John 10, 10, that says the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said he came to give us life, a full life in him. 
And I felt like I was such a picture of that. Satan tried to destroy me, but Jesus is saying, no, I have life over Amen. here for you. That's great. And, and I wanted that, and I received that. And two verses that really just made such a turnaround in me was Romans 8, 1. And it says, there is therefore now no condemnation mm-hmm. for those who are in Christ Jesus, because when something of that magnitude happens to you, you feel like you you cannot be a new person, that you're marked forever by that shame and that guilt. And he's saying, no, I don't condemn you. I just love you. Mm-hmm. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 17, which says that we are new creations in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, I have made all things new. And I love that. He says, no, you can have a new beginning in me. And I just can't imagine not having the life I have had with you and with um, our precious kids and with our grandchildren. And so God is so faithful. Yes, He's so faithful. Michelle, you're not only a counselor, but you've lived through a little bit of this. I have, yeah. What would you say to parents and what would you say to a teenager that came to see you as a Christian counselor? Yeah, I think those are really great questions, first of all. And Karen, as you were talking, one of the first things that I thought of is the, the kids that I work with, one of the main things that they say to me when we're, you know, they're struggling through some some thoughts and some ideations and stuff is, I thought I was going to be a burden. If I reach out to someone, mm. I don't want to burden anybody with my thoughts, with my feelings, with with all of this stuff. And so it's really kind of picking apart those, those false thoughts that we have and replacing it with God's truth. Yeah. And I do kind of have a, um, you know, for parents and as a parent, because my own daughter um, attempted suicide about five years ago and praise the Lord, she survived Mm -hmm. and has a testimony to tell. And so looking at that from a parent's perspective, my initial thought was, what did I miss? What did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? And thankfully, I had the opportunity to actually ask her those questions Mm -hmm. like, what did I miss? And her answer was kind of alarming to me. She was like, I didn't want you to see it. Mm. I hid it from you. I didn't want you to know that I was going through any of this. And for the same reason that you kind of highlighted, like, because she felt like she was going to be a burden. I had all of this other stuff going on and I couldn't possibly be burdened with, with her emotional distress or the things that she had been through. And like you, she had suffered some some sexual trauma that kind of contributed to, you know, some of the things that she was thinking and feeling. So as a parent, I was just kind of wondering, what could I have done differently? Looking back now, I can see those signs. I can see that she started to kind of pull away. I could see that she had some depression. I could see some of these things. But the biggest thing that I did after that was I just started asking questions do you feel suicidal? And most of the time when we ask that question, whether it's to a client or to a friend, they answer us honestly. Mm -hmm. And they'll tell us, yeah, I am feeling that. I am struggling with some of this. And then what we can do next is walk alongside them. We can provide these services, make sure that they're connected, you know, to a therapist or, you know, to a friend, to a mental health professional, to a doctor or whatever that looks like. But just asking that initial question, like, are you feeling suicidal? And then kind of, you know, asking them some probing questions after that. Like, do you have a plan? Is this something that I need to to do something about right now? Because if there's a plan, if there's an intent, if there's a timeline, then we need to act quickly. 
you know, because we definitely, you know, we have a responsibility because it's, it's a public health problem and we see it so much in, in children. And I think somebody, I think it might've been you, Justin, that, that kind of brought up the statistics of, you know, it's, it's like the leading cause of death in people from 10 to 35 years old. That's insane. And so if, if we're seeing that, you know, what is our responsibility in that? So the responsibility of a parent and then also the responsibility of, you know, from a counselor's perspective. And I'm always, you know, as a parent, I asked my daughter, you know, are you feeling suicidal? What do you need from me in this moment? Let's talk about it. What does that look like? Do you have a plan? And because we know that there's some risk factors and because um, a child has experienced trauma, that's a risk factor. You know, if if they've experienced or attempted suicide in the past, that also is a risk factor. Um, just having like mood type disorders such as bipolar disorder or depression that acts as a, you know, a precursor or something that we should be aware of. And then so once we have this idea of what to look for, we look for the warning signs, we look for the risk factors, and then we just kind of step into action and just do kind of what we had talked about before, just asking questions, being present, connection, because a lot of people, they just need somebody to be able to connect with. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about what, what brought them to that point. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I think we also need to do is give them hope. Yeah. You know, yeah. To, Amen. From God. Amen. With a better look at life, sometimes you're, you're being short-sighted. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Like if Karen could look, have known at that moment all that God had for her, I don't think she would have crossed that line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Talk about that. Well, I, you know, I worked with, um, you know, worked with teenagers for years and we had many students, you know, that we were walking through similar situations with. And it's amazing in a world where you're more connected than ever, people feel more lonely than ever. Yep. Right. right. Um, which is a big deal. And this feeling of, I don't belong mm-hmm. and no one loves me, you know? Yeah. And, um, I, I think it's, a, I think that's a big deal. Uh, you know, one, a passage that really just rocked my world that I try to really give to parents to just drill into your kids. First of all, I don't think we even realize as parents how much we need to tell our kids that we love them. Sure. I, I read I read that statistic somewhere that it takes like, you know, 10 times telling them you love them every time that you correct them just because right. you feel like you lose that. Um, but one of the greatest examples I see in scripture of this is at the baptism of Jesus um, because as he's Going down, he comes out of the water. It says they, the spirit of dove descends upon him. And then it says, they hears a voice from heaven. It says, this mm-hmm. is my beloved son yeah. in whom I'm well pleased. Yeah. Amen. And it was before <laughs> Jesus had done anything, done any miracles, right. done yeah. any of those things. The father looked at the son right now and says, I love you and I'm pleased with you now. Not because of what you've done, but because of who I am. I just yeah. love you and pleased with you. And so um, even for parents, like this, this, you know, like you said, being open with them, but then, man, just making sure they know that constantly, yeah. um, almost sickening to the fact right. that they just hear it so much yeah. <laughs> um, because we don't even realize how much teenagers need that on a daily yeah. basis. Right. Um, another thing that um, a passage that a verse that just really sticks out is Matthew chapter 11, um, verses 28 and 29, where Jesus is looking at everyone that he sees struggling. He says, come to me, all those who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Um, those who are looking for rest for their souls to to fill this void um, that so often gets in the way, um, this, this, this burden to be someone that gets in the way, to just see that Jesus can fill that. He really can. Karen, you're, you're mm-hmm. an example of that, that where it feels like you are hopeless and you're working to try to figure out what's the point, Jesus says, come to me. 
you know, come to me and you find rest. Yeah. And so and, um, and we'd encourage anybody here at the end of this podcast that if you need help, we have the numbers for Summit Wellness Center. Uh, we have the list of Christian counselors that, that we can give to you. So please call us at the church or contact us at the church. And we will help you with resources. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, hey, thank you all both so much for coming and being yeah, a part of this. Yeah. Um, this conversation could go on for hours, but Forever, we want to give yeah. something simple and hopefully even a good starting point for these families as they're walking through yeah. it. I love the fact that what you brought up about just ask your kids, yeah. you know, really ask them. Um, and like I said, they'll tell you whether yeah. one way or another. That's a great step for our parents. As hard as that might yeah. be, right. you know, you just need to ask. And so. we have to be willing to hear the answer yes. and to Ooh, respond yeah. to it accordingly because we don't we don't want to hear no. the answer to that sometimes. No, no. So I hope I hope this has been beneficial. I hope if there's even a, someone today who's listening to this, that they that they walk away encouraged, knowing that there is hope for them. Yeah, so. amen. Hey, thank you all for being with us. Uh, we pray that this was enlightening for you, um, filled with hope for you. And we pray this would, if you need help, you would find it. Um, but then also that you would just continue listening with us. Um, we hope to be able to answer more of your questions as we move forward with our episodes. Thank you. Thank you.